What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. It means that sometimes you need to be willing to abandon the realm of the tangible to go after what really matters and what's possible. And it means that sometimes you need to be willing as a leader in a responsible way to abandon what is tangible and step into what is possible. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. I want to start with a question today. Have you ever played Capture the Flag? <laughs> Gosh, I love Capture the Flag. And specifically, I loved Capture the Flag. I freaking love playing it out in the cul-de-sac as a kid and then even played it some in high school with my buddies and then would even play it in college some. And, and I just love the level of decision-making that's required, the level of teamwork that's required, the level of uncertainty that's required. Because what is Capture the Flag? It's like, we've got this resource that we've deemed outrageously valuable and there's also another resource, the other team's flag that they deem is valuable. And to win the game, we have to go get their resource. We have to take risk. And, and in the pursuit of taking risk, we also can't just kill the golden goose that we have right now. We got to protect our flag. And, and so you're weighing all these options and all these variables. And of course, I couldn't have said this as a kid, but it's actually a pretty helpful scenario to learn some pretty important principles about life. And one of those principles that stands out in Capture the Flag that is absolutely true in business leadership and life is this. You can delay losing the game on defense. You absolutely can delay a loss on defense, but it is impossible to win the game. Eventually, you have to get on offense. And so what I've learned from Capture the Flag absolutely applies to you in the context that you're in with your business with your leadership and with your life. You can delay losing the game on defense, but it's impossible to win the game. If you wanna win the game, eventually you've got to get on offense. And I think what I'm talking about here is really your posture, your outlook, your perspective, and your attitude. Because we know what it feels like when we're operating with our weight on our heels, when life is coming at us, when we're in reaction mode and we're not making decisions proactively about the future. Rather, we're just guarding what we have in the presence. But then we also know what it feels like. And maybe we know what it looks like because we've seen the people we admire enable this, where, where you shift your, your weight from your heels to your toes, where you lean into the struggle, where you lean into the situation. You say, we're not just interested in protecting what we have. We want to protect and steward what we have, but part of stewarding what we have today is moving forward into the uncertain future. Part of stewarding what we have today is a decision to intentionally and deliberately get on offense. It's a phrase we use all the time within the Path for Growth community. Stop reacting, start actually leading. And to lead means that we're not just going to defend what's been done. It means we're going to start stepping into what we're going to do. And so here's what I want you to understand about this idea of getting on offense. Anytime we have a conversation about moving forward into the uncertain future, about shifting your weight from your heels to your toes, about leaning into life instead of allowing life to come at you. We're having a conversation about risk. 
And I want to overlay that concept of risk with the concept of leadership and talk about what the responsible leader does. Well, the responsible leader strategically moderates between the polarity of recklessness and risk avoidance. Now think about this for a second because this is a helpful idea. The responsible leader strategically moderates between the polarity of recklessness and risk avoidance. Now, my observation is that as human beings and certainly as leaders, we often tend to lean one way or the other. I've met and worked with and have even stepped in the shoes of the reckless leader before, right? And maybe this is you, that your MO is chaos, right? And you love leaning into the big ideas, the new creations, the, the projects and the huge goals and the audacious visions for the future. And, and, and in some ways, you can way overload yourself and way overload your team and swing for the fences every single time. And in doing so, you sometimes run into those situations where you say, man, that wasn't being a responsible risk taker, that was being reckless. Maybe it looks like you biting off way more than you can chew. Maybe it looks like you assuming you can do something that you actually can't. Maybe it looks like you not doing your homework or being prepared or doing your research. Maybe it looks like pride. There's a bunch of different ways that recklessness can manifest, but many of us, our tendency and our proclivity can be to lean into recklessness. And, and what I would tell you is that recklessness is not responsible and it's certainly not leadership. But then there's other leaders, and I've been this person, and I've certainly observed these people. It's not just that they're risk averse, it's that they're risk avoidant. And the primary posture that they operate out of is a posture of fear. And instead of stepping courageously into the future, they are not just occupied, but obsessed with protecting what exists in the present. And they're constantly looking at life and looking at business through the lens of what's the worst case scenario. And specifically, they become leaders and businesses that can be remarkably stagnant. And I'm not talking about stagnant through the lens of their metrics, although sometimes the, the metrics do reflect that reality. I'm talking about stagnant in terms of their posture. I'm talking about the fact that they have ceased to step into their potential because they've become satisfied with what currently is. And so what do we say we want to do? Well, we said that the responsible leader, the impact-driven leader, what do they do? They strategically moderate between the polarity of recklessness and risk avoidance. Now, one more thing before we actually step into how this plays out practically. Think about how bad that statement is for, for marketing right? A really great marketer knows, man, I want to double down on the way that this person is wired. So if you're reckless, I want to encourage you and speak to the reckless side of you and say, man, you're audacious. You're big. You're bold. Come on, let's do it. Let's 10x this business. Let's 3x your income. Let's make your team 5x bigger than what it could be. And let's go after these massive giant goals, right? That's great marketing for the person that's reckless. And I'm not even saying I have something against all those things, but those 
things that could be right done the wrong way are recklessness. But then also think about the good marketing for the risk avoidance person. Well, it's marketing that says, you better watch out. There's bad things coming in the future. You need to make sure you can secure every single thing you can right now. And it's fear-mongering in so many ways because we're saying, man, we can't even think about the future because we've got to protect what we have. And marketers will tell you, we have the solution to protect what you have. You know what is awful marketing? Moderation. <laughs> it's, it's bad marketing, right? It's bad marketing to say, I don't want you to be reckless. And maybe 10X sometimes can be reckless. But I also don't want you to be this fearful, paranoid person that's constantly operating from a posture of terror. I want you to be somewhere in the middle where you can acknowledge the risks, but you don't bow to them. And you can also say that, man, I may have a proclivity towards recklessness, and I'm going to bring that back some to prioritize other things that also matter, like health and like people and like my other priorities. The responsible leader strategically moderates between the polarity of recklessness and risk avoidance. So the way that we're going to walk through this content today, and we're just going to do a high-level overview of what it means to get on offense, is we're going to walk through five reasons why it would be wise for you as a leader to have this posture. Then I want to go quickly through the blockers, and then I want to make sure you leave today with three actions. So let's start with the reasons why. And I'm going to give you five of them, and we're not going to park too long on these. I'm just going to give you one or two sentences on why they matter. Number one, opportunity. The healthy, impact-driven business leader understands why businesses exist. Why do businesses at their core exist? To meet needs, solve problems, and serve people. And here's the deal. There are a lot of people in front of you that have needs that need to be met, that have problems that need to be solved, and that would really benefit from you and your team in a healthy and responsible way serving them. But you you hear what I said there? I said they're in front of you. And and so this represents outrageous opportunity. And I will tell you, if you just open your eyes and lean forward, put your weight onto your toes and you say, man, what we've done may be awesome, but it, it doesn't even compare to what we could do and what we could be and who we could serve and how we could solve problems, that there's more in front of us than there is behind us. Man, that changes everything. That's a paradigm shift. But I meet so many people sometimes that... They don't say this, but you can tell by their demeanor, you can tell by their attitude, you can tell by their decision-making that they think that the peak of their business and their career and their life already happened. They have ceased to see opportunity in front of them. That is called being on defense, or that is called being reactionary. If you're going to get on offense, you have to know and believe that the best is yet to come. That we're outrageously grateful for today, but man, the best is always in front of us and it's our responsibility to go seize it and steward it. Reason number one, opportunity. Reason number two, risk. Listen to this. The only risk greater than moving forward is not moving at all. I think you know this principally, but man, some of my friends that uh, they're some entrepreneurs that I just so deeply respect it's a married couple. They both left their full-time job and cashed out their 401ks to start their business. Just, I mean, mind-blowing, right? Just outrageous levels of risk. But you know what happened within the next year? The stable, sure, secure company that they left that was truly like a multi-million dollar organization, it declared bankruptcy. 
And so was it really the riskiest possible decision to leave? Or if it was right, would it have been way riskier to ignore what was right in pursuit of what was safe? And so we need to not look at risk as a bad thing. We need to look at risk as a positive thing if, again, responsibly undertaken. Reason number one was opportunity. Reason number two is risk. Let's go to reason number three. Now, some people, their minds warped and they won't see this as a reason why they should get on offense. But I'm going to challenge you that if you're going to be an impact-driven leader, you have to view this as a reason why it's worth it to get on offense. Struggle. I think one of the reasons why you should get on offense and you should lean into life and you should look towards what's in front of you and ahead of you is struggle. Because I've shared this on here before. Um, I heard Jordan Peterson once say that meaning is found in optimal struggle voluntarily undertaken. And that's just such a powerful idea. If you can apply yourself to the exact right amount of struggle where you're pushing yourself, where you're in the zone of proximal development, where you're constantly stretching and expanding in a way that's healthy and you're pushing others to do the same. And through that, you're serving people. You know what you're going to experience? Outrageous meaning. Oftentimes, the people that I see that lack meaning the most are the people that aren't struggling at all, or they are struggling and they don't connect it to anything greater and grander and bigger. So we got to make sure we connect purpose to the struggle. But man, the the lie that culture will tell you today is that if you want to find meeting, get rid of struggle. It, It is a farce. It is a lie. I don't know where it came from, but it's just not true. Think about anything you've ever done worthwhile that was remarkably easy. Now, it it may not have even been bad, but was it really worthwhile if it was remarkably easy and it didn't require anything of you? No, the reason why it's struggle is because it requires you to give something. And why on earth would we ever believe that we should ever deserve to get anything in, in the worldly sense if we're not first willing to give of ourself? And so what would it look like for you to engage in struggle? But one more thing on this. There's a psychological difference to the way that you perceive struggle, whether it's voluntary or compulsory. So voluntary is struggle that you opt in for. It's, it's an offensive life that you opt in for. It's saying, I'm taking on things that are in front of me that are going to represent hardship and challenge, but I believe in them so much that I'm going to take it on head on. Whereas compulsory struggle means that life is coming at me and I'm having to react to it. That is defense. Struggle is a given. It's going to happen. The question is, is how are you coming at it on offense or on defense? Okay, let's go to number four, creativity. Gosh, I could spend a lot of time on this, but this is an idea that I actually got from listening to an interview with Daniel, I believe his name is Daniel Eck. He's the founder of Spotify. And he's just really a pretty remarkable leader because he's the founder and he's still the CEO. And think about how many times he's had to reinvent himself and that company has had to reinvent itself to be where it was, him just starting it up with a couple of people to where it is today. It's just absolutely incredible. But but here's a principle that I took away from him. Constraints are the breeding ground for creativity. And this connects to something we've talked about on here before. The measure of your effectiveness as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a person, as a business owner is not resources. It's resourcefulness. And what's so good about constraints and about having to go a little bit further with a little bit less getting on offense 
is it requires you to be creative. Whenever I think of this principle, I always think of that scene in Apollo 13. And man, if you haven't seen that movie, it's, it's just such a, a brilliant story about human ingenuity and innovation and what it looks like to lead when your back's against the wall. It's such a powerful movie in all those regards. But there's this scene where they're having to figure out how to fix a leak or something like that that's uh, basically sucking out oxygen and they're not getting any purified oxygen into the spacecraft that's in space, right? And they're, they're having to figure out how to solve for this problem with the materials that are available to them on the spacecraft. And the guys in Houston down on the ground are like boggling their minds trying to figure this out and it's a bunch of engineers, right? And and this is just what I love so much about the culture around NASA. Many of you know, I, I grew up in Clear Lake, Texas. My dad worked for the space program. And this is just like their mindset. They, they don't come at things and immediately see problem. They come at things and see possibility. Because think about that. You, you, if you think that the problem isn't solvable, why would you ever invest time and energy to solve it? You don't think that it's solvable, right? Effort never sustainably exceeds belief. But the minute you choose to believe something that one of our coaches, Olivia, says, she says, every problem is solvable, well, then it just becomes this incredible game to say, we have to figure out where the solution is. Because in the seeds of every problem lies a solution. And if there's not a solution, then it's not a problem. It's just part of life. And so constraints are the breeding ground for creativity. And in this scene in Apollo 13, they come to this group of engineers and they just lay out this like tube or this box and all this different stuff. And they say, okay, in order to do what we need to do, we need you to figure out how to take all of this and fit it into this. And it's like this massive amount of stuff and it's in this little box and the guys, their their mind is just like, their eyes open wide. They look like deer in the headlights. And then they pause for a second and they say, okay, let's go. And they get going, right? What is that? It's such a display about like constraints. This is what we've got to work with being the breeding ground for creativity. And obviously the story of that movie and the story of what actually happened with Apollo 13 is they found a solution. Opportunity, risk, struggle, creativity. Let's do one more faith. Think about this. Your greatest testimony often overlaps with your greatest challenge. And it would be such a shame if the challenge availed itself and you shrunk and cowered away in defense. And it would be such a shame if the challenge presented itself And instead of responding and getting on offense and acting with courage and boldness and service of others, if you shrunk and cowered away and got on defense, what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. It means that sometimes, responsibly, you need to be willing to abandon the realm of the tangible to go after what really matters and what's possible. And it means that sometimes you need to be willing as a leader in a responsible way to abandon what is tangible and step into what is possible. And that's a pretty powerful idea. 
But think about all of the stories riddled throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament. The leaders in the stories throughout the Exodus, throughout Israel, throughout Babylon, throughout Jerusalem. One thing is true about the leaders in those stories. It wasn't that they saw the work of God and then because they saw the work of God, they believed. So often the leaders, the Moseses, the Jacobs, the Davids, certainly Jesus himself. It wasn't that they saw the work of God and then they believed. It was that they believed And then because they believed, they got a front row seat to seeing the work of God. This is what it looks like to get on offense. And in so many ways, this is what it looks like to lead. Okay, so it's with that that here's what I'd like to do. I'd like us to jump to the actions because hopefully I've made the case. And then in a separate episode, I think it would be good for us to walk through the things that get in our way. So again, the reason why we should do this is opportunity, risk, Struggle, creativity, and faith. Now, here's three simple things you can do to start getting on offense for your life, for your leadership, and for your business. Number one, instill a routine that stewards the things you can control. So, so often people that are on defense are spending all of their time thinking about the things that they can't control and worrying about them. And the Bible has a lot to say negative about worrying, but it also has a lot that's positive to say about planning. And one of the things that you need to understand if you're going to get on offense is there's a difference between worrying and planning. Now, if you want to be someone that practices proper planning, it would be really wise to make sure your two feet are on the ground and that you're someone that is healthy, centered, stable, and strong. This connects to an idea that we teach all the time at Path for Growth. If you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. And it's going to be really hard to get on offense in your business if you can't even put your two feet on the ground and get on offense on your life. And so have a plan and then execute the plan. What does this look like? Well, have a plan for how you're receiving truth because truth is going to ground you. Have a plan for your prayer life because what is prayer going to do? It's going to renew you. Have a plan for solitude because there's a difference between solitude and isolation. So often I see a lot of leaders that are practicing isolation and that's unhealthy. But man, what's wildly healthy is solitude because solitude centers you. Have a plan for worship because what does worship do? It humbles you. Have a plan for exercise because man, anytime I go out and work really hard, it calms you. Have a plan for community because community, what does that do? Well, it reminds you. It reminds you of what matters. It reminds you of why you're doing it. It reminds you that people are the point. And so have a plan for truth. It grounds you. For prayer, it renews you. For solitude, it centers you. For worship, it humbles you. For exercise, it calms you. For community, it reminds you. And move forward in those things. I see too many leaders that in their personal life, they're on maintenance mode. And then they wonder why they've lost the zest, why they've lost the excitement, why they no longer feel like they're growing. And it's because you stopped growing a long time ago. You're just maintaining. And so what would it look like in every single one of these areas that deeply matter to us with our people, with our family, with with our spiritual life, with our health? What would it look like not just to maintain, but to move forward, to get on offense. Instill a routine that stewards the things you can control. Let's go to number two. Pay attention. (laughs) I kind of like to say this with the same tone every single time because I think it matters so much and I want us to pay attention. Pay attention. 
I, I just freaking love college football. It's absolutely my favorite sport to watch on television. And let's be very clear. I like college football. I love Texas football. And one of the things that I'm most excited about right now, although he got injured in our game against Alabama, by the way, if he hadn't, I think we would have won, which is, oh, so, so, this is a tangent, but man, Texas football right now is moving in the right direction and people better pay attention because it's, it's real exciting. Okay, that was a tangent. But we've got this quarterback right now. He's a freshman is Quinn Ewers is his name and and he was just so good in the Alabama game at least the the first quarter that he was able to play in and one of the things that he did so well that so many of the commentators were talking about after the fact is they watched him run through his progressions and and what does that mean it means that whenever he steps back into the pocket with the ball he's looking and he's looking to see is the deep throw open and if the deep throw is not open he's looking over his left to see if the guy that's running in the out route and and if the out route's not open then he's looking at the the tight in that's running across right in front of him. And if that guy's not open, he's got the running back over to his right for the dump pass and he can dump it to him and that guy can run. And that guy's Bijan Robinson can run. And let me tell you, he's like the best running back in the country. But, but he's running through his progressions. How do you do that? You pay attention. You say, okay, what are the things that matter? What are the opportunities that are potentially available to me? Let me run through those opportunities and check and see if the thing, if the theories that I'm making about what might be open are. Compare that to an amateur quarterback. He doesn't run through any of that. He just plans what he's going to throw before he even looks at what's in front of him. And so as a leader, what would it look like to pay attention? What would it look like to run through your progressions? What's going on in your industry? What's going on in the economy? What's going on in your numbers? What's going on with your people? What's going on with your customers? What's going on with consumer trends? What's going on with your expenses? What's going on with your receivables? Here's what you need to understand. There's open opportunity in every single one of those areas. Every single one of them right now in your business. The question is, is are you paying attention? Are you looking for it? And the person that's on defense, that's in reaction mode, that's complacent, they're not even looking. And and you're not gonna see what you don't look for. The person that's on offense, they're going to be running through their progressions and they're going to be seeing where's the opportunity in this situation. And they're not going to be forcing an opportunity because that's going to result in an interception to to continue with the metaphor. They're just going to be allowing the play to run and make the best possible choice with the options that they are given. Pay attention. Number three, and it's directly related, make and test predictions. There's two things I want to highlight with regard to this. Craig Rochelle did a brilliant keynote that was actually available on their podcast feed a while back. That's where I heard it. And he's uh, just a brilliant leader, brilliant communicator, uh, and incredible pastor. And he did a talk on anticipatory leadership that if we can find it, we'll put the link in the show notes. But the whole format of the talk was just this idea that it would be wise to step back every once in a while as a leader and probably as a lead team and say, what are the things that could happen one year, three year, five years, 10 years from now? What are the things that could happen? Now, we are not saying what will happen. We are not saying what should happen. We are saying, looking at the landscape of things, because we're paying attention to the landscape of things, what could happen? And then out of what could happen, what do we think might happen? And you're making educated guesses about what you think might happen. Now, let's be very clear. It's a guess. Now, yes, it's educated by anecdotal evidence, by experiential evidence, hopefully by some data, but but maybe make some guesses about what's going to happen in your industry, about what's going to happen in the economy, about what's going to happen with your consumer base, about what's going to happen with how people interact with your product or service. Make some educated guesses 
and, and get on offense about that. And then here's what's powerful. Making guesses does nothing. There's a billion people out there with theories. Just go on LinkedIn. Everyone's LinkedIn feed is filled with the theories that they're making about the future. Here's the question I have for you. What are the theories that you're acting upon? Gosh, there's so many people I could reference that I really respect in this area. One of them is Chris Ronzio. Uh, Chris Ronzio, he's been on this podcast before. He's the founder of Trainual. And man, that guy is just, he's an innovator. Uh, he's a risk taker in many ways, but he's always just someone that has his mind looking towards the future. And he's thinking about what's ahead and he's making educated guesses or predictions about what's ahead in a wide variety of areas with regard to the economy, with regard to business, with regard to consumers, with regard to the workplace. And he's making all of these predictions about this. And then he doesn't just stop with the prediction. He actually acts on some of them. And I mean, he's done posts on this and talks about how he's invested in NFTs and how he's gotten into cryptocurrency and how they did some things virtually and with remote work at their team to, to focus on where culturally things were going in the workplace. And so uh, he's got his mind on where things are going. And in light of where he thinks things are going, he's going to take actions in the present, take actions here today. Do all of them work out? No. Why? Because it's risk. The question is, is he doing something? Because that represents getting on offense. What would it look like for us to do that in our context with the things that we are responsible for stewarding? And so you need to be testing things. You need to be testing things related to your messaging. It would be wise to be testing things related to your product because if you stick with the same product for 20 years, it's going to become stagnant and complacent. So pay attention and be willing to tweak, be willing to modify, be willing to be on offense. And then you need to be tweaking things with regard to efficiency. The best practice can always be made better. And so we need to have this idea with regard to offense of like the way that we did things will not always be the way that we do things. And so we have to change some things. That's the attitude that we don't just want in you with the leader. We want that with the entire team, but it starts with you. And so that's some areas that we want to get on offense with regard to our messaging, the way we talk about the value we provide with regard to our products, the value we provide, and with regard to our efficiency, optimizing the process for delivering that value. And so those are the actions. I want you to instill a routine that stewards the things you can control, because if you want to put your business in order, you got to start by putting yourself in order. And some people can't lead a business on offense because they're not on offense themselves. A leader that's on defense can't make a business get on offense. It will not happen. And then you need to pay attention. You need to be running through your progressions and looking for opportunities and recognizing that from a posture of the best is yet to come, the best really is yet to come. And then you need to make and test predictions. And one of the concepts that we didn't have time to get into in this episode, but would be wise to look into with regard to that is Jim Collins' idea of musket balls versus cannonballs. And musket balls are small tests. And once we nail those small small test, then we have the ability and opportunity to fire some cannonballs and really swing for the fences. Y'all, if you want more content like this, we send out an email every Wednesday called Worth It Wednesday. Uh, we send out a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. You can sign up at pathregrowth.com or in the show notes of this episode. You know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.